This week we are going to be speaking all about friendship. Uh, perhaps you have a friend just like this. Um, we were going to be thinking about camaraderie this morning, but I'm not sure how to spell it or pronounce it properly. So we're doing friendship and togetherness this morning. Now, I think friendship is great. Uh, making friends uh, isn't always easy, and sometimes keeping them can be even harder. I wonder who your friends are. I wonder who you were friends with back at school when you were younger. I wonder who the friends are that you have now and the friends that you made at different points throughout your life growing up. Perhaps there are even some people you haven't seen for ages that you'd love to reconnect with again. Maybe you're the type of person who likes to have lots of friends, can't wait to see lots of people. Maybe you like to have just a small few connections. Maybe you're in the middle, but wherever you're at, the Bible tells us that God wants, to be, wants us to be in relationship with others. At the beginning of his creation, he recognized, of course, that it's not good for man to be alone, and he created Eve to partner with Adam. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, uh, it's good to have friends, it's good to have advice and counsel from a friend. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense, incense. And of course, we connect with people often, don't we? Uh, over shared interests and experiences. I remember one of my earliest memories of this being right back at the beginning of primary school. Uh, I actually founded, this is going to surprise you, I know, but I founded and set up a Mr. Men club. And th <laughs> these were... These were back in the days, maybe those of you who are slightly younger that might be surprised by this, but this was back in the day when cereal boxes actually came with small plastic toys hidden in amongst the food for children to find and hopefully not swallow. Do you remember that, early 90s? Yeah, you'd get a little bit of plastic hidden in there and it would see who could not swallow it. Well, I found, I found Mr... It's true. I found Mr Happy... And so I decided, we all love Mr. Men, me and my friends, uh, and I decided to start the Mr. Men Club, and it's Wilburton's first ever Mr. Men Club. And my friends were all collecting these Mr. Men. We had a president, and we had... <laughs> this is true! We had a social secretary, and... <laughs> We even, my friend Ed, and I don't think Ed will be watching this this morning, but my friend Ed even wrote down a little book with rules in. And I know you're thinking, that is really, really cool. And, and, and now you can see why I am a little bit like I am. But whatever connects you, uh, whatever brings you together with people, we can say friendship is good. God says friendship is good. Now, the way we make friends, of course, and, and develop friendships has changed a lot recently with social media. I remember coming to York 17 years ago now, starting university here, and joining something, again, some of the younger people in, in the room might not know this, but I joined something called The Facebook. Do you remember The Facebook? That's what it used to be, right back in the beginning. And we joined, and we said, oh yeah, I'm in this college at York, and you'd meet other like-minded people in that college or through shared interests. Things have moved on a lot since that time, and I think in our society now, it's quite a fast-paced society, can be quite individualistic at times. So what does it mean for us as followers of Christ to be in relationships with others? What does it look like for us to build and grow healthy friendships? 
Well, we've been working through a series on the king and his army. We've enjoyed thinking about who King Jesus is and the mission that he calls us into. A few weeks ago, Jenny shared with us our marching orders, and we thought deeply about what it was that Christ calls us into. What a privilege it is to be in his army. Yet, we can't live these full lives that God promises us if we're not in regular, authentic community with others. The church, of course, staying the obvious, is made up of a group of believers. And there are many ways the church works, but through community is a primary one. I've called this talk this morning, Marching On Together, Strength in Numbers. And as we follow our King Jesus and the mission he calls us to, we know we'll come under attack, don't we? But as we follow his call, whilst being changed to be more like Christ, we're stronger together. And so we're going to think about three things this morning, three expressions of that. We're going to think about marching on with authenticity. What does it mean to be in authentic, genuine relationships? We're going to think about marching on with loyalty. What's it look like to loyally devote ourselves to each other? And then we're going to think about carrying each other's burdens and being accountable to each other. So let's start then uh, by looking at marching on together with authenticity. When we march on, we need our relationships to be authentic. Authenticity can be defined as being the genuine article. There's no point being disingenuous with each other. If we think about uh, this metaphor of uh, the king and his army as a fighting force, it's really important in military terms to hold the front line. If cracks appear when we're under attack, the line is weakened. We need to trust each other, don't we? And make good, genuine connections. And these connections, I believe, start with authentic introductions and welcomes. When we welcome people among us in a really strong way, we're better able to connect them in. Now, we can learn a lot from the early church about how we do this. So let's have a look at Philippians chapter 4, first of all. Verses 21 to 23 says this. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now this is the last few verses of a letter that Paul wrote to encourage the believers in Philippi. And I wonder where, you're, where you are this morning. Just think about when you've gone somewhere new for the first time, be it church or somewhere else. Just think, how does it feel to be greeted well? It can also be helpful to think, well, how does it feel to be greeted not very well? It can make a big difference, can't it, when we welcome people into our community in a, in a really good way. And I looked into this and found that the original Greek word here for greet translates as more than just a simple hi or hello. It has much more weight to it. It means to speak good of, to praise, and to bless. Here, Paul instructs the believers to praise, to build up, and to bless all who come in together. Some contexts as well, this word is also used in the way that we might offer a salute I thought it was a really nice way of tying into us as a fighting force for Jesus. Notice that Paul instructs 
all of the saints. That's you and I, not just the welcoming team to greet people in. We're all instructed to do it. And it is a verb. The verb in the Greek is a command. As we march on together, we are obliged to greet. We're obliged to build up, to praise and bless those in our community. Our union with Jesus Christ, of course, transforms us into a unique family, doesn't it? We belong to one another. All are welcome, and it's our responsibility to express care and bless those who've joined us. So what does this authenticity look like here at Gateway, this authentic togetherness? I shared this this morning when we were praying, and I I feel one of the things that people often say to me is, it feels like Gateway is a bit of a family. One mechanism that we have here to connect people into that family is through membership. Following a good greeting, being welcomed in, we encourage people to become a member. For us, membership is a commitment to those around us in our church to do life and to do faith together. Now, many of you have been marching on, of course, as part of this fellowship for many years. But if you're new to Gateway and you want to find out more about what makes us distinctive and get plugged in, then why not come along to one of our uh, Next Connect courses in the new year? Another key expression of this togetherness at Gateway can be practiced through being in a life group, meeting together weekly in intergenerational groups of uh, people is a fantastic way to deepen relationships together. Kate and I have often found great joy, wisdom and comfort from meeting people throughout the week, simply sharing life together. It's a great way to study his word, to have a bit more time, of course, to explore that than we do on a Sunday morning in small groups. It's also a great place to pray for each other and to cheer each other on. And it's a great way to enjoy shared experiences together. I refer to those shared interests and experiences earlier when I started. One of my favourite quotes about this is from the author C.S. Lewis. He wrote this, Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Imagine my surprise when I came in with my Mr. Men character. (laughs) I thought I was the only one. I remember my friend sharing this quote with me for the first time, and it struck me. It's just one of those quotations that makes you stop and think, yeah, that's so true. Shared experiences with your friends in a life group, serving in a ministry together, here or beyond our fellowship, helps to create an affinity with others and establishes a common bond that can grow stronger over time. What are the shared experiences and interests that you have with others, both here and beyond our fellowship? Another part of this genuine, authentic community, another way to express that, of course, uh, is when we come together to worship. As we share the sacrament of communion, for example, um, we are brought together as a diverse group of people from across the nations, united by one faith. The communion we, f- we share together finds its deepest roots in the love of the Trinity, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to have an opportunity after this talk to join together. What a wonderful expression of togetherness that we can do here amongst us.
So there's real strength in creating authentic relationships together. And this strength, of course, comes from the authority of Jesus Christ. That passage in Philippians, notice, if we refer back to that, he finishes that letter, Paul finishes that letter, with a blessing of God's grace in our spirit. God's saving grace is an important part of our fellowship with believers. Our physical appearance, of course, is temporary. But our spirit is eternal. We're constantly being changed and made more like him. And we're reminded that it's Jesus who has the authority. God's saving grace cannot fail. And it's within that power and authority we build this authentic community together. We can enjoy genuine, intimate fellowship with other believers because of God's grace. So, there's real strength in numbers. There's strength in nurturing these genuine and authentic relationships. Second thing I wanted to talk about this morning was um, building loyally devoted relationships. So we're going to talk about marching on with loyalty. I think loyalty is really important. And I wonder what you think about when I say the word loyalty. Makes me think of words like firm, faithful, and of course our God is so faithful and is a perfect role model to us in this. I wanted just to draw out one of, I think, one of the strongest examples of this loyal and steadfast relationship. If I was to ask you uh, to tell me of a couple of famous friends out of the Bible, who would you name? Who would you think of straight away? David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan in the Old Testament give us a great example of what this loyal devotion looks like. Now, Jonathan is from the tribe of Benjamin. His grandfather was Kish, and his father was the infamous King Saul, the first king of Israel. As the son of King Saul, Jonathan had the title of prince. He's described as a great warrior who is honest and willing to face death as a result. How unlike his father Saul he was in that. Now after David famously defeats Goliath, the giant, Jonathan is drawn to him. He makes a covenant, a promise. He strips himself of his robe, his armor, which many say that's him stripping himself of his privilege and position, and he gives it all to David. Let's pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. In this way, he's a prime example of the Bible's greatest command, to love the Lord your God wholeheartedly and love your neighbor as yourself. And it appears that Jonathan's covenant with David is unilateral. Jonathan is committing himself totally to his friend David, whom he had evidently befriended when he served in King Saul's court, and whom he recognized as God's anointed future king. The former is astounding when you think of what the latter meant. Without knowing what would happen in the years to come, 
Jonathan willingly confers his right to the throne to his friend. What remarkable self-sacrificing devotion. Now this idea of devotion, again, might feel a bit countercultural at times. But God calls us to be devoted to one another. We can pick this up in Romans chapter 12. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. I've put up the ESV translation as well. I think it's really helpful. I love the language here of love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. These words of devotion and love and affection inspire a deep sense of intimacy when I read them. And there's a reason, of course, why friendship is uh, deeper than an acquaintance. As part of a fighting force on a shared mission for our King Jesus, we're reminded of the importance of completely devoting ourselves to each other. Again, we can do this, can't we, because of God's grace in our lives. That sense of family here, brotherly affection, uh, you know, we're brothers and sisters in God's family, aren't we? God adopts us as his children, welcoming us in. And that family includes everyone who knows God as father. (laughs) I'm just smiling because I've got two brothers, but brothers and sisters don't always get along, of course, (laughs) in most families. However, they share a loyalty, don't they? A deep sense of belonging that often surpasses a normal friendship. And I love that command of trying to honour one another above yourselves. I love that translation, which gives us that sense of striving to honour more, others more than we love ourselves. If each of us acted on that, every person in the body of Christ would feel deeply honoured and would never be satisfied that we're honouring each other enough. We'd be motivated to continually ask, how can I show more honour to them than they showed me? And this is the advice that Katie and I got on our marriage preparation some 16 years ago now, I think. When we're both giving 100%, the other person receives 100%. And it's the same in our relationship with believers. In verse 11 there, Paul goes on to write that we must not be lazy in our enthusiasm. And the two commands may well be related. And this ties together the fact that we are fighting force together on a mission. Paul is urging us to be energetic in our attempts to give honour to each other. He's also urging us to live with zeal or enthusiasm. In general, to remain focused, intentional and positive about our purpose in treating each other well in the body of Christ. And he ramps up this idea of enthusiasm another notch by adding that we must be fervent in the spirit. And the Greek word used here is ziontes which is related to the root word for life. And the phrase can literally be translated as boiling in our spirit. We're set on fire by God's spirit. And this is a call from Paul to avoid allowing ourselves to become tepid or bored as we pursue our purpose. The target for this enthusiasm is serving the Lord. And that's the final command he gives us there. We have to turn up. An army can't march if the soldiers don't turn up and pull together. Paul's urging us to be all in, both spiritually and emotionally, when it comes to serving the Lord and to serving each other. 
So we're really getting that sense now, aren't we, of strength in numbers. We're a fighting force. There's a strength in nurturing these genuine, authentic relationships together. There's a strength in loyally devoting ourselves to each other. Are we all in with our relationships with fellow believers and serving the Lord? Who are you devoting yourself to? We'll be reflecting in this series about what it means to be marching on into battle and our mission. And that does imply there will be plenty of trials and challenges for us to overcome. As Christ's followers are all under this spiritual assault, they need the protection of brothers and sisters who have their best interest at heart, because they have a heart for the cause of Christ. Our third and final point, therefore, is that we march on together with accountability. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, we read, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. As Christians, we have a desire, don't we, to be more like Christ. We're constantly being changed by his spirit. And a key strength of togetherness is making yourself accountable to another Christian. By being accountable, you can share the areas of your life where God is changing you, and in doing so, you can support each other. Now, it can come in many different forms, shapes, and sizes, yet at its heart, accountability is one Christian sharing with another the area of their life where they feel God is really changing them. It's a practice of sharing where we feel convicted by his spirit to change. Hand in hand with this is an attitude, of course, of grace and forgiveness and the taking on of each other's burdens. You see, in practice, I think, if we're making genuine, authentic connections with people, choosing to loyally devote ourselves to them, then the natural progression is to offer to stand with them as they submit to the changing work of the Spirit in their lives. Over time, we build trust through genuine connections and shared experiences. And as that happens, we march together in relationships that don't reinforce failure, but long to see the other's success in Christ. There's a deep joy, isn't there, in shouldering each other, shouldering parts of our lives as God claims the victory. I think it includes three things I just wanted to briefly share before we finish. I think firstly, there's a a desire to be more like Christ. Secondly, there's a, a call to pray for each other. And thirdly, a chance to cheer each other on. As we do this, we should listen, ask non-judgmental questions. And importantly, we should, pres- we should not presume that we know how to fix things, but rather should trust that God will do the work that needs to be done. It carries a sense of personal humility towards Christ, who we are growing toward, but know we can never fully reach in terms of accountability. True accountability, combined with his word, and the experience of living that out to the best of one's ability is powerful. And it's a constant reminder of his grace that we need to live today. It's certainly not a confessional where we admit things that we shouldn't be doing. When we make life about a list of don'ts in order to appear more Christ-like, we can sometimes miss the point. Spiritual growth is a desire to be more like Jesus, to live the life that Jesus calls us to and to have our eyes and hearts open to the things of God. Cutting out something negative, then, is a byproduct of that relationship. The parables of Jesus, of course, 
often focused not on the bad things that we do, but on the good that was left undone. Did you stop for the traveler in need? Did you visit the person in prison? Did you clothe someone who needed a coat? A key part of this marching on together uh, involves praying for each other, of course, and we read in James chapter 5 this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. As we pray for each other, we lift each other up before the Lord. We stand together in prayer, don't we? We stand together as we pray for the mission that God has called us into. We stand together as we carry each other's burdens in prayer. And we stand together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And the third and final thing there is that we get to cheer each other on. As we naturally spend more time together and invest in each other's lives, we know what's going on and we can encourage and cheer on. This is something I believe we do really, really well in our fellowship. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Let's continue to be a community that cheers each other on. And me personally, about five years ago, I looked around at some good, genuine connections, certainly loyal. And as those relationships developed and deepened, we started to share things. Things that we thought, oh, God's really calling me to that. God's changing this. God's really making me think about this part of my life. And I knew that by being accountable with a small group, I knew other people were going to check in on me as well and help me think about how, how God's changing me. I value their prayers. I value them standing with me and cheering me on. And I consider it a great privilege to pray for them and to encourage them on their journey as well. There's certainly no one-size-fits-all to any of this. But I'd certainly like to encourage us this morning to think about getting alongside somebody else and try it. If anything, there is real strength, of course, in standing together, praying for each other, and cheering each other on in a genuine and steadfast relationship following the mission that we are called into. So friendship is great. Marching on together as part of a fighting force is powerful, and there is strength in numbers. There's strength in this authenticity. There's strength in loyal devotion. And there's strength in standing together in prayer and encouragement as God continues to change us as we serve him on his mission. Therefore, greet each other. Connect as part of a fellowship with authenticity. Devote yourselves loyally to good friendships. And over time, as trust is built, seek out those who long to see your success in Christ. This morning, we can thank God, can't we, for putting us in relationship with others. Let's thank God for our church family. Let's thank God for shared interests and hobbies, whatever they may be. Let's thank God for sending us his spirit to be changing us, to be more like Christ as we march on together. I'm going to invite the band to come back up now. And shortly, I'll be handing over to Melinda as she leads us, uh, as we move together into a time of celebrating communion. I just wanted to finish um, by looking ahead, really, See, it's great to have those authentic friendships 
uh, with people that we can loyally devote ourselves to. It's great in the here and now course to shoulder each other's burdens, to stand in prayer and to cheer on. Nevertheless, let's not lose sight of God's ultimate plan for his creation. We know that Jesus is coming back. Woo! And we know that he will call everyone back together again. This is our foundational hope, isn't it, this morning? Lots of this stuff is really, really good. But we're going to be caught up together. Let's just have a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as we finish. It says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. All God's people, those living when Christ comes and those who have died, will all participate together in the gathering of the church. And we're assured of this this morning because Christ himself arose from the dead. Jesus Christ has, through his death and resurrection, gained the power to raise us. Christ will indeed receive us into himself, that where he is... There we will be also together. And that is God's purpose in the gathering of the church. That purpose he will fulfill. And so we shall ever be with the Lord in strength together.